you're listening to the Getting Social Podcast, a keep it real type podcast where we discuss entrepreneurship, marketing, and all kinds of social topics. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Getting Social Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Falacard, and this is episode number 21. How do you think the world would be like if one billion of us volunteered just one hour per week to doing good? Think about that question. In this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing the founder and CEO of Sharonest, Josep Francisco Sigo. Originally from Brazil, Josep was lucky enough to get a scholarship to play tennis at Purdue University, where he got his engineering degree. He then went on to get his MBA at Barry University in Miami, Florida. He always dreamed of making big money and living that lavish lifestyle that so many of us pursue. Although he did achieve this dream, he soon realized how miserable he was inside. Life could not be about that, he said. He had it all, but was still not fulfilled. He decided to quit everything to go volunteer for a nonprofit for eight months. This changed his life. He soon understood the power of giving back. When you are doing good for the world, you are also doing good for yourself, he added. When he realized how big the gap was between the world GDP and giving back, he felt he had to do something about it. That's when he built ShareNest, a platform that connects people that want to do good to nonprofit organizations. His mission is to foster more giving in the world. Without further ado, it's time to get social. All right, Yosef. Well, once again, thank you for joining us on the show today. This is a very exciting episode for me because of what you do. Social impact is something that we look uh, for in every guest, and you are directly impacting the world and communities around the world. So it's a big pleasure for me to have you on the show. We'll ask you, we'll go straight to it and ask you the first question, which is what is Sharonist? And also some of the challenges that we are also maybe thinking that you might have had in developing Sharonist. So if you could share with us the, your journey and how you came about uh, starting Sharonist. Okay, Jeff, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for giving me the space to talk a little bit about myself, my journey, and about ShareNest. It's uh, very exciting always to, to try to add value in the world of you know social impact. So hopefully we can have an amazing conversation here to, to get yourself and the audience excited about you know doing good in the world. So a little bit about, I think, myself, it's actually a little bit about ShareNest. So I'll start with that. I'm originally from Brazil. I got a scholarship to play tennis, okay, in the north. I went to university in uh, Purdue in Fort Wayne. I started playing tennis there. Then I got my engineering degree there, and then I'm moving to, you know, a different campus of Purdue, but got an MBA here in Miami. Then I was working for, you know, went to work for, for banks, went to work in the financial industry, you know, really wanted to, to make the big bucks and walk next to, you know, beautiful ladies, and realized that actually that world was not necessarily for me mm. and went to work for school, became the director of a school very fast, helped the school become international, which is a sports academy in the north of, of Florida, actually the north of South of Florida. But it started becoming, make, it started actually making a lot of good money, you know, having a nice car, good house, all the, the 1% things, but internally it was miserable. 
Mm. Absolutely miserable. And at the time, I actually got a postgrad certificate at uh, Harvard Extension for Sustainability Innovation. And I said, you know what? Life cannot be about that. I'm making great money at a young guy, and I, you know, have everything financially and, you know, physical that I'm looking for, but I'm not fulfilled. What's going on? People told me you need to go to psychologist, you need to look for help. I said, you know mm. what? I'm quitting everything. I'm getting all my stuff, all the money that I have, and I'm going to volunteer for a nonprofit for eight months. So I decided to move back to Miami, where I joined an organization called the Kabbalah Center, where I volunteered for eight months, and that changed my life. Not only because I was able to get out of my, you know, the depression and the tough moment that I was going through, but most important because I understood the power of giving back. Mm. which is when you're doing good for the world, you're actually doing good for yourself. Mm. And that's when the whole idea of Shareness came about. Right now, I'll tell you a little bit what Shareness is, but within that time, I said, oh my God, you know, if giving is so good and is, you know, for both sides of the equation, let me understand really how the world is in terms of doing good. And I was shocked. After a few months of research, I realized that we give back to the world a very, very little percentage of the total GDP of the world. Hmm. And I said, wow, you know, why? Why is that happening? If this is so good and so important, it saved my life. How can this be so uh, you know, little as a community, as a society, they're doing it? And the answer that I got was two. One, there wasn't enough awareness of the power of giving back, of the power of sharing. And the other one, there wasn't a platform that was actually user-friendly for the needs of the millennials and the, this new gen, gen X and the new young generation. And I said, you know what? I'm going to build a technology. I'm going to build that company that is going to be that brand that is going to motivate people to do more good for the world. And it's gonna, we're going to have a technology behind it to facilitate all that. And that's actually ShareNest. It's a, it's a platform that connects people that want to do good with organizations or people around the world that need help. You know, so, this, I'm, I'm just I'm just amazed by by the story. To be honest with you, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting, you know, the the phases before you actually started ShareNest, or even before you joined the first nonprofit and volunteered for eight months. I wasn't expecting that story. So that makes it even more amazing to me. So sorry to interrupt, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, for sure. No, so, yeah, so definitely I always think it's important to share a little bit about the story because, uh, you know, adds value to really what ShareNest is about, you know, and I don't know if you saw the, the logo of ShareNest, but it's a, it's a nest with mm -hmm. two eggs. Mm -hmm. right? And I truly believe that in our essence, the most added value that we have to the world is the giving actions that we do, the good deeds that we do for the world. And that's really what Shareness is about. It's a, it's an ecosystem that we want to allow people to shine, to share their talents, to share their value to the world. So, you know, story makes sense. The, the, the brand looks beautiful. Everything seemed on paper great. But then it comes, you know, the beautiful challenges of business. Yeah. I need to actually bring it to, to what I like to call the physical world and, and execute, right, and manifest it. And I think that challenge number one was raising capital for the simple reason that people had a difficulty understanding why 
I was choosing to make Shareness a for-profit versus a non-profit. And hmm. then they were obviously challenging me of how I'm going to make this, you know, I'm going to make money out of this because now if you're for-profit, I'm not making a donation for you. I want, you know, an ROI. I want a return on my investment. I want to make sure that, you know, I give you 10 bucks. You're going to give me at least 12, 13, 14, or a thousand in a few months, right? Mm-hmm. Or a few years. And so to transmit this message to the investors, I think it was a very challenging and to convince them and to show to them that the reason why we chose to be a for-profit was for the reasons of innovation and for the reasons of a flexibility that a for-profit can have, you know, not only through raising more capital, but also through different flexibilities in terms of, uh, you know, how we can manage internally the organization. You know, so, and then obviously second was how to convince about the revenue model, right? There was a revenue model that really made sense. So I think that those was the, the initial the initial challenge. And once we went, we passed through that, and, and thank God we passed through that with uh, really nothing under our belt, just a PowerPoint presentation and, you know, the passion of um, me behind it. And we were able to start executing. And then the second challenge came, which is a challenge we're still facing, I think now things are, are progressing and much better, but it's the challenge of founding something or let's take it back, founding a technology company without tech experience. So founding a technology company without a tech co-founder and having to hire, you know, technology companies or technology, you know, freelancers, developers to build that for you. So we definitely went through multiple people, multiple struggles because we never had somebody that actually was challenging us on the things that were not going to work in the future based on how much we wanted to really scale that. So we ended up building the technology initially. And as we got to beta testing with almost 10,000 activities tracked, the technology collapsed. So we went back to the drawing boards, found a new team, rebuilt the technology. And then as the technology is about to launch, the tech guy decided to leave the company. So now we have to rebuild the technology. And within that process, now we're basically coming live with the new technology in a few weeks. But, you know, I think that there's a blessing and a curse in everything, right? And I I think that the the curse was obviously that the this two years of a lot of expectation from us and from our partners and from our clients and all that of like okay the technology is going to come live, and the blessing was also the two years because we got to understand much more the market we got to understand much more our you know the needs of our customers and you know the needs of to fine tune our, our dream. This is awesome. Like I said, I was not expecting all of that and especially those challenges and congratulations. Uh, um, you guys are rolling out a new uh, technology. You said in two weeks, correct? I would say, let's say three to four weeks, yeah. three to four weeks. That's great, man. And, and, and it's, it's an amazing thing to know that, you know, not only are you trying to help, but you're going through these challenges in order for you to make the lives of other people better. And that's something that should be applauded. And and, and I should thank you for that as being, you know, obviously a citizen of the world myself. So obviously everybody benefits when you do good. Actually, I have some quotes that I read from your social media. I'm going to come back to those in a little bit, but 
they resonated with me. And I'm going to ask you also your perspective on them. But first, we spoke about the, the challenges so far in building your business uh, in ShareNest. What are some of the resources that helped you along the way? Yeah. So I definitely think that, you know, extremely important when you are building a any type of business. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you are an entrepreneur and you're a first-time entrepreneur, I highly recommend you to unite yourself with your local community. Hmm. So obviously I'm in Miami. So I was able to, you know, Miami is one of the biggest, I think, tech communities in the country. I would say that behind San Francisco, New York, Boston, hmm. I would say Miami is coming, you know, coming along fairly well. Atlanta, so, Atlanta is, uh, is growing big too. Miami yes, and Atlanta. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, I definitely found myself joining more and networking more with, you know, people on this and the industry. So, you know, I went to different uh, co-working offices where there were different events being taken, you know, being held that were gathering the community, you know, people could share best practices, people could share where you can find different types of resources in the community to help you out at a cheaper price. And, uh, you know, and even mentors and, and, and leaders to, to guide you on the way. And one of the things that I did that I think was very, very beneficial was that I signed up to different uh, accelerators and incubator programs that have helped me tremendously to fine tune and shape really the model and the ideas that I was actually, you know, manifesting it. So first one, actually, I signed, I signed up to an incubator pro, uh, program at Miami-Dade College. For, it's called uh, the Center of Innovation, if I'm not mistaken. And they, within that program, I was a, actually able to win a competition within that incubator. And we got access to free classes and access to you know, different type of you know leaders and mentors from the community. And obviously the recognition in the community. After that, I joined a pub, uh, online accelerator called NewChip that they gave me a, an amazing discount because of the you know the company that I was building in order for me to go through the process of learning how to raise capital. And they really helped you know, fine-tuning my pitch deck, fine-tuning my how to have actually a business development strategy, even when in terms to raise capital. You know, because raising capital for for entrepreneur, especially in the startup world initially, that's your that's your main job, right? You're raising money, you know, quite often. And if you don't have systems and processes for that and you're just knocking on doors randomly, it can, you know, become very uh, time-consuming and inefficient. So they basically taught me how to make that, that process more efficient, and that was very helpful. And then after that, I was invited to be part of the WeWork Labs here in Miami. Now they closed down after everything that happened with uh, WeWork. But WeWork Labs was a side of WeWork that they were giving it offices at a discounted rate for you know top num- top uh, startups in the local community and i got a few months there for free so i was able to get very involved with the community and oh, obviously nice. the leader of the whole lab was putting me in front of you know, context of you know potential customers potential partners and all that so that was a, a great you know network uh, strategy for us then I think after that, we're able to, to start solidifying more strongly our team. So this is what we currently have. We have like almost 13 to 15 people working for us now in the mm. team, you know, and really do all the beta testing that we needed to do and, and sort of go to the process that 
I described it to you. Amazing, man. That's great. And and that's something that you're saying here. It resonates with me a lot also is connecting with your local community. A lot of people underestimate that. A lot of people try to go outside and in when it should be the other way around. You should be very, very solid from, you know, a one mile radius. And then from there, you, you know, you expand if you want to be that specific, you know, and, and I, I agree with that a hundred percent. You know, I moved here to Miami about 17 years ago and, you know, I used to come here for vacation. Obviously, it's not the same thing. But coming here, especially from Haiti, but I had graduated from the Northeast. And coming down here, starting from scratch, you know, one of the things that I quickly noticed is that, you know, you know what, you have to start, you know, building your relationships here and and and, and making sure that you are part of this community in order for people to know about you, to support you and you to support them too and, and, and create more opportunities, you know. So that's a very smart move. And uh, with WeWork and, and those uh, um, uh, networking events that I know that are happening all the time, I'm sure you were able to make some valuable connections. So that's, uh, that's, that's great, man. My next question actually is going to be a little bit more about the model. Some things that you said earlier on, I didn't know about either, where it, it's, a, it's a for-profit and uh, you do charge. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process and, and how you're charging people and, 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 and how it works, basically? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously our mission is to foster more giving in the world, right? Mm -hmm. To eventually, you know, as I mentioned to you before, I definitely or I strongly believe that as an individual becomes a giver, mm -hmm. right? He not only doing a, a favor to the world, but to himself. And, and obviously the effect of that is a more social and emotionally connected person. So as our mission is to you know, foster more giving in the world, I think the vision is that eventually that will bring to a world of more social and emotionally connected people, right? So obviously we measure our success in terms of that. We don't measure our success in, you know, in terms of finance, but I think that it becomes very clear that when you're talking about technology, right and you're talking about innovation and you're talking about the speed of how sometimes different sectors actually evolve i think that the flexibility of being a for-profit business is extremely beneficial to allow us to achieve our mission you know more effective not only here but in the future mm -hmm. you know i think that we need to be ahead of the game all the time you know, we're building a technology with a capability for artificial intelligence, right? We don't have the resources to bring artificial intelligence here today, uh -huh. but, you know, I don't think the model of a nonprofit for us now, you know, initially depending on, you know, donations uh, would be the best to potentially have a large amount of, you know, investors coming on board and saying, hey, you know what, we believe that you should be, you know, the same way if you think about friends and family, go to Facebook. If you think about, you know, videos, you go to YouTube. If you think about, you know, messaging, go to WhatsApp. If you think about the nonprofit world, if you think about volunteering, we want people to think about ShareNest. And I think for that to happen, we need to have, you know, a strong amount of resources behind us to support it, to, you know, to leverage this fast growth and this pace that I think the world is sort of changing today. You know, so I think that that's the reason why we chose, okay, to be a for-profit. And the, our model today is very simple. Our model is a membership, you know, platform, which starts with a free 
access to you know most of our resources and most of our technology and then moves it to different tiers of that membership where you're paying for extra services so now obviously our three main you know customers today are you know the corporate world you know schools and the nonprofits and then we decided to do it go ahead no, no, I was going to ask, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what you were going to say. I'm, I was going to ask, are they the ones that pay for the service, obviously? Yeah. yeah. So obviously in one side of the equation, you have volunteers, right? And on the other side, you have, you know, either the organizations that need those volunteers or organizations that are managing volunteers, mm-hmm. right? so like school corporations. So, so yes, the answer is yes. The, the organizations that are managing the volunteers are the ones that are paying the bills, right? So the way we currently actually... Uh, structure is that we're trying to take away payments from the sides of the equation that are generating more impact. So for nonprofits, they're really only paying if they want the top of the top of the top of the service, right? But most of it is actually free. Mm-hmm. And for the volunteers, it's always free. Now, for the corporations and for the schools that want to manage that data and want to maybe leverage the visibility of the data to for marketing purposes or for you know internal reasons or for training purpose of all that that's when we you know start charging a little more but regardless you know the first tier it's always free and we actually try to make sure that it's never attached to the number of impact of volunteer being generated right it's always about the extra services that we are offering for you to have you know more clear visibility on the data or for you to manage those you know volunteers better so forth but not in the impact itself so that's sort of the the model that we you know we're looking for the most and by the way this the way we're building the technology there's multiple horizontal and vertical models that we are still studying to identify but i think is we're trying to make sure that it stays aligned with our mission and our mission is to foster more giving. So everything that would jeopardize that would no, most likely be thrown to the garbage. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's, that's, that's great, man. And uh, I definitely agree. And not only that, you'll be able to help more. That's the thing. Uh, you'll be able to dedicate more of your time. You'll be able to put more of your, your passion and your, your, your sweat into this thing into, uh, for the greater good. And like you say, you know, to foster more, more change and, and create more impact. So I get it a hundred percent, but now in terms of the pairing and, and how it goes, tell us what uh, you're looking for in terms of the organization organizations and also in terms of the volunteers what are some of the characteristics that you look for for both parties so in terms of the volunteers you know i actually interviewed in uh for our instagram we we're doing like this live sessions that uh, we're used to call it like uh, do good from home like share good from home something like that Uh and i interviewed the lady that she is the CEO of a nonprofit called Third Wave Volunteer. She's probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, front end or first first responder volunteer in the world. She has a an entourage, almost thirty thousand volunteers that go with her. Hmm. And I asked her the same question, you know, and she responded to me that the most important thing, I believe, what she responded to me was that the most important thing for a volunteer to have is passion. 
hmm. right? And just dedication to wanting to help. Everything else we can teach, you know, but if you're not committed really to, to help out, you know, that nothing, there's nothing we can do. But if you, you have the will and you have the desire to help out, all the different, you know, professional skills and all that will make it work. You know, so I think that that's extremely important. And obviously on our technology, I would say it, your skills are needed as well because we do a lot of our volunteering online, actually in our platform. A lot of the matchmaking is actually talent-based. So we actually have 100 and, if I'm mistaken, 80 or 90 categories and subcategories of services that nonprofits can find from volunteers. Wow. Like, you know, logo design, web developer, consultant, teaching different classes, you know, writing skills, virtual system, you name it, right? So in our side, there is that side that I think talent is necessary, but obviously the passion and, and the desire are, you know, the forefront of, of it, right? And on the nonprofit side, I think that for me, the most important thing is, I think, transparency and to take care of volunteers as their most important asset you know, they really, that they have in their hands. You know, there are many times that I'm fortunate to have experienced nonprofits that take volunteers for granted. And, and that's not cool because I really feel that nonprofits today, especially today, are pretty much run by volunteers, especially, in the, you know, in today's world that, you know, donations are, you know, at some extent can become more scarce because of what's happening, you know, globally, that the only thing that nonprofits are, you know, can count of now it's support of the human effort and i think that you know extremely important to be transparent first of all what are you doing with your work so the people feel more you know excited and motivated and, and, and you know obviously open to work for you but second to really take care of the people you know and just just not treat them as numbers and I think that that's extremely important. And I, and I would add to that, that I feel that, you know, we, we developed a program called the Love and Care. The Love and Care, uh, it's a volunteer engagement program. And it's, it's amazing. I actually applied in the organization, you know, the Kabbalah Center that I mentioned to you. And we actually had a 90% or more returning, like the, the rate of volunteers that stayed with us. 90%. Okay, that, Wow, ninety percent of where we manage actually two hundred volunteers on the platform, uh, in just in the local center here in Florida, and ninety to ninety-five percent of them actually decided to stay continuously working with us after three months because of this uh, program that we implemented called Love and Care. Because it's very important for any organization, especially nonprofits, to understand that there's a big difference into managing employees and managing volunteers employees there's an expectation you don't deliver something you know what i can fire you at the end of the day mm-hmm. a volunteer it's all about inspiring the volunteer you can't just if you fire the volunteer okay you can say thank you very much i go volunteer next door mm-hmm. right so it's all about inspiration taking care of them right so that's why the three main missions of you know story the three main, three main value values mm-hmm. of sharing it's a passion collaboration and engagement because if you don't have those three as as a social impact organization, especially in the nonprofit world, it's very difficult to to maintain a very strong team. Well, I mean, this is making me think a little bit, and and because just a couple of days ago, I was I was looking up Generation Z, 
and I'm sure you know also because of of what you do, Generation Z is is labeled as one of the most giving and caring generations that we've had. And they tend to give back the most. They also tend to volunteer the most. Is that something that you're also seeing on, you know, basically if you if you take you know all your volunteers into account, are you seeing a trend age-wise that they're very young? Yeah, so for us, it's, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much I can answer this question because we are living in the world of, like, you know, education. So we're pretty much focused on high schools and in universities. So most of our, you know, users are basically Gen X. Mm-hmm. But what I what I think it's extremely valuable to, to mention is that, yes, this generation, it's very for... Okay, change. They really are, I think, craving to be the ambassadors of the change that they're looking for in the world and they're pushing corporate America to become more social responsible and all that. But I do believe that overall, we as a society, and if the Gen X are the leading force of all of this, I think we need to do more. Okay, I think that the world needs a little extra push from all of us, especially in the times that we're facing right now. No, and one of the missions. A big extra push. Yes. One of, the, one of the visions of Sharenest is that, you know, to imagine a world where 1 billion people are actually volunteer at least an hour a week. And I want just you and, and the audience to reflect a little bit on this. And then how would you guys think the world would be if, you know, we would have a billion people making an hour, you know, giving away an hour of their time on a weekly basis. If their talent, or just their time, to a nonprofit, to the local community, to, you know. And I think for me, it's like just indescribable, really, how the world will look like. And I think we, as a society, we're not there yet. And, and for that, then, if the Gen X are the, the frontiers in this movement, I kindly ask them to push to the next level uh, the amount of giving that they're doing it so we can actually achieve that. Because I think with the human power we can really change the world and i and i strongly believe that volunteerism can change the world and and that's why you know share nest was built you are not only motivating me but you are inspiring me and um i love that and i love the you know the, the example you gave a billion so basically if we give a billion hours a week of our time, yeah. we could change the world because that's that's a whole lot of hours. That's a, a whole lot of impact, yeah. you know. And doing that as 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 a whole, you know, collectively, will definitely create change. And one of the things that you say on your website, and that's going to lead to to my next question. You do say that giving back and and fostering change and all that also helps with depression, which is part of your story, but you actually say that in some of the messaging, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is 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 great. I never thought of it this way. To me, when I gave you the story earlier on about, you know, giving back and and, and going to that community in Haiti and and seeing firsthand, you know, what this organization was doing to help the children of Haiti, it changed my life. It changed my perspective and it made me feel good about myself also. So it's not only, it's not only a selfless act, you know, it's also a selfish act, which is fine. It's okay because it makes you feel good, you know? So you're doing something to help other people feel great, but you're also making yourself feel good at the same time, which to me is something that is so therapeutic and also uplifting and and could do so much good for the givers 
and the takers and maybe encouraging the takers to give at some point of their lives and creating this cycle. So I'm gonna end the question with this. This is something that I saw on your Instagram and it's a quote from a personality athlete person that I admire a lot and it's Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. And he says, as you grow older, you will discover that you have two hands, one for helping yourself and the other for helping others, which is kind of kind of plays in into what we, what I just said. What does this quote mean to you in reference to what I just told you in not only helping others and also helping yourself at the same time? Yeah, so so for us, it's that's what Sharenest is all about, right? I don't know if you saw our slogan that it's uh, you get what you share, right? Mm -hmm. So strongly believe that every action that you are, you know, doing is a good deed for the world. You there's a there's a double, right? It's an exponentialized benefit there because it's both sides of the equation of being benefited. So obviously, I think that you know. As we're moving towards a world that is requiring more and more people to have soft skills, right, which is the intangible skills that we can develop, I think that the inner understanding of who you are is extremely important. And one of the most powerful ways to know who you are is through actually serving yourself to the world, right? The more you add value to others, the more you start understanding who you are. And the more you understand who you are, the more excited you actually are to give. Mm. So obviously, the two hands there are obviously that reasoning. And I know you mentioned about depression, and I wanted to to add something to that, just as a, as a call to every medical uh, professional out there in, in, the, in the country and in the world, is that, you know, my mom is a psychologist, right? And... She obviously does an amazing work as many other professionals bringing, you know, these people with sometimes a lot of trouble and they try to ease their pain either sometimes through medication if you're psychiatry or sometimes, you know, just through different counseling. And I, one of the things that I challenged my mom and I said, mom, what do you think that if you do part of what your service that would be, you know, in the volunteering world, motivating those people to find a purpose, to find a way that they can feel that they are meaningful to the world. Don't you think that your, you know, your services will be like exponentialized? Imagine you're taking care of the person, you know, that has some certain issues mm -hmm. and now you're giving them the space and, you know, obviously with safe as the safe environment for that person to be able to feel valued for the person to be able to share I think that that could be an amazing practice, again, within the legal parameters of that and within safety, depending on the conditions of the person. But I strongly believe that that could be maybe the final, you know, the final push to help somebody come back, okay, from a depression or come back from a low mental moment in your life and then going to you know, not value to feeling a lot of value, purpose, and, and you know, an excitement to live again. I went through that. It changed my life. It's, it honestly, it saved me, you know, for, from the process of the darkness I was going through. So I'm a huge advocate for it. And I think that now more and more in the world, there's people going through that, you know, because of the pandemic and the, the people losing jobs and people being mm -hmm. stuck at home and all that. And I definitely believe that, you know, you can, you can add value, you can help from home, just go on your computer, 
You know, if you don't know anywhere to go, you can always try not to share this. And you can do many, many, you know, things from home to feel that you are making a huge impact of organizations all over the world. You know, so so it's a little bit of my my ask. That's that's great, man. And and I'm gonna ask you a, a question. I don't think I've ever asked this question before, but there's so many things that uh, so many great things about what you're doing here. We actually almost always end our conversations with entrepreneurs and, and marketers and professionals with how, you know, how they see themselves impacting the world. What can they do? Because I feel personally that as entrepreneurs, leaders of the community, professionals, that we have a duty, athletes, you know, we, uh, celebrities altogether, we have a duty outside of what we do on a daily basis to serve the world. I really do believe that, especially if you are influential, if you have that platform, I think it's basically a duty. I think that's what it comes with. A lot of the superhero movies there, they say that sometimes, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think a lot of us are not necessarily approaching it this way, which is one of the reasons why I started with this podcast also is to talk about certain, some of these things and how we can impact the world with what we're doing. Even if it's very small, it doesn't have to be financial. You don't have to donate a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars it could be an hour of your time like you said but there's so many different angles here and the question i'm going to ask you is if you were in my shoes right now and you would ask yourself a question that you want to share with everyone what would that question be wow that's interesting okay so i think that the question would be you know what keeps you what keeps you awake at night I think that would be a question. Ha. All right. And now give give me the answer. You know, I think what keeps me awake at night, I mentioned to my mom during the pandemic, actually, this, uh, I called her and I was like, you know, crying. I say, no, mom, there's so much pain in the world. And, you know, it feels that it's never enough what we do. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's really never enough. And I feel that if we, and the reason why, it's never enough because we don't believe that it's enough what we're doing. Because if each one of us believed that what we're doing was enough, we would do it. And then this little that each one of us will do it would turn into something humongous. And then boom, all of a sudden the world will be a better place. So I think that it's the motivation. I think if I could find the magic chip that would motivate people to do not only once, but to do it consistently and to believe that what they're doing really is making a difference. So they get excited and inspired to do more. I think that uh, finding that answer is actually what keeps me, keeps me alive. You know? Figuring out what is the message, what is the way, what is the, the formula to touch people's heart in a way that giving would be a lifestyle and not just a slogan or just like a one-time thing or just like something temporary but would be like no forever and i think you're on your way man honestly and i i know you are only two years in but i feel like you're on your way i feel you have a purpose you have a mission you have this passion for this 
and I'll, anything that I can do to help, you know, I really mean that. Uh, I actually am connected to a few nonprofit organizations. Definitely will make introductions. Definitely will check out your platform and maybe donate even more of my time because I feel like, I, and people will always will always ask me, you know, what time you got left, Jeff? You know, well, it doesn't matter. I'll create it because it's important. And it's not only for me, it's for my kids. Yeah. You know, my kids will not benefit from it directly, but they will benefit from a better world, even if it's a better neighborhood, better community, better city. They will benefit from that. Their kids will benefit from that. That's my biggest fear. My biggest fear of my kids is, you know, man, what kind of world are they, are they gonna know? Yeah. When I was growing up, I mean, I grew up in Haiti and, and we, we've gone through a lot of, you know, turmoil and, and just, you know, very, um, very uh, agitated upbringing, if you will. But I was also around poverty and there's still poverty around us everywhere. And I consider myself super fortunate that, you know, I was able to have, you know, the, the, the necessities in life, you know, the roof over your head, the food, the, the water, the, the parents, the loving parents, you know, the friends and, and the games and all the, the other things, you know, that so many kids around the world have no access to or don't even can dream about, you know? So I feel fortunate, man. And I feel like it's, it's, it's sad that with what's going on today, there's so many things that are going on today that are not taking into account what world we're living behind. And if I can put an hour or two of my time to contribute to a better place for my kids, even if it's not for me, then I'm happy. And you doing that, I have to thank you a lot for it, you know, and, and anything I can do to help, I really mean that, we'll definitely be in touch. Speaking of being in touch, please let us know how can we uh, reach you, even though I'll put a lot of those that information into the notes, but uh, let us know what the best way to reach you is. Yeah, so you can definitely, you know, check us up on uh, www.sharenest.com or you can send me a private email. My, my email is yosef, so Y-O-S-E-F dot S-I-G-A-U-D at sharenest.com. And, you know, for the ones that really want to personally talk to me as well you can find me on instagram you can find me on facebook and uh, we can chat more from there as well well yosef i i, I thank you again um it's been a pleasure i learned a lot from you and you've definitely inspired me like i said earlier and hopefully you did the same for the audience we'll definitely be in touch and congrats and thank you you know that's uh that's basically that's basically what we all should tell you yeah. and hope that your dreams come true and you continue to push and, and and change the world thank you thank you so much for the opportunity jeff thank you for that and for listening to me i know we spoke for for quite a bit so i hope you didn't get bored about me not at all but i'm excited <laughs> hopefully that uh you know somebody will listen to to this or hopefully multiple people and uh you know would uh, think about uh, doing uh, one more good deed. Just keep that in our mind. We do one more good deed, and then uh, and the next one more good deed, and one more good deed, and all of a sudden we are we're changing the world quite a bit. So one, anyway, thank one, you so much. One good deed at a time. <laughs> thank you so much, Joseph, uh, and uh, we'll be in touch. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Getting Social Podcast. If you've made it that far, it means you probably liked it. In that case, leave us a review, subscribe, and please share it with a friend.